In a world where we are so easily made to feel like who we are isn't enough, knowing yourself is one of the most empowering and courageous acts of rebellion anyone can make. Knowing yourself means knowing your worth. I want to show you how astrology can help you do this. How astrology can open up ways of getting to know yourself on a cosmic level. Bridging Astrology is a podcast featuring astrological insights, updates, deep dive conversations, and practical resources all aimed to help ground us in the wisdom of astrology. You don't have to study the stars for lifetimes to tap into their wisdom. It's about drawing our own connections between us and the sky. Join me on this journey as we build our own bridge to astrology. Welcome to another episode of Bridging Astrology. My name is Becky Duncan and I am your humble host. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome, welcome. Um, If you are a returning audience member, what up besties? Thank you so much for coming back. I appreciate you and um, I hope that everybody's doing well. First and foremost, I also want to say happy astrological new year. I'm recording this episode on the 21st of March 2022 and uh, hopefully I'm posting it on the same day. Um, but yeah, today is the beginning of a, a brand new astrological new year. It is the first day of Aries season. It is the spring equinox. It's the first day of spring. Everyone can feel the happy hot spring vibes coming in. It's good times all around. Good times. Um, Just a few housekeeping notes before we get into the episode. Um, If you haven't already, if you could please like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform that you're tuning in on, I would greatly appreciate it. And it goes uh, a lot farther than what you think to help out the podcast. Um, And if you are enjoying the show and you feel like someone else that you know in your life would enjoy it, by all means, go ahead and share the love. I would so appreciate it. So today's episode, I'm going to try to keep the introduction short because I think today's episode is going to be a bit of a long one. (laughs) I'm going to try my best for it to not go uh, to an excessive amount of time, but I think we have a lot of ground to cover in this episode today. I really wanted to get this episode out though because I do think it is um, rather important uh, what we're talking about today. I think it is very fundamental. Um, And uh, I wanted to get it out and have it be one of the the first episodes that I'm putting out here. Um, Because again, it's it's a very fundamental, it's it's some core knowledge. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy. I'm going to, again, do my best to keep it succinct, succinct, excuse me, and to the point. Um, But I'm not going to lie, I have quite a few pages of notes to get through. So grab a drink, grab a snack, get comfy <laughs> wherever you're listening to this. Um, and yeah, let's let's just jump right into it. 
So today we're going to be talking about the elements, modalities, and polarities in astrology. And now you're probably thinking, Becky, what the heck is that? (laughs) So basically, um, the elements, the modalities, and the polarities are essentially they're they're categorizations of of some key foundational building blocks within astrology there there are ways to classify each of the zodiac signs under some um what's the word i'm looking for it's a means to arrange the zodiac signs under certain similarities and we'll get into it um i think with with this being said, I'm going to start off with getting into the polarities, and then we'll get into the elements, and then the modalities. But but these these classification systems they they really do help us to identify some basic essential qualities of each sign, and I really do believe it's important for us whether you are astrologically savvy or not, if you are an expert in astrology or if you're a novice, um, I think it's really important to have a core understanding of these classification systems because it allows you to interpret each zodiac sign in in such a fundamental way without having to actually know what each sign is really all about in detail. Um, and even if you already do know something about each of the zodiac signs. Understanding these methods of designation can help deepen your interpretation of each sign. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Starting off with the polarities. So the polarities divvy up each zodiac sign and just for the record, there are 12 zodiac signs in astrology and the polarities divide up the signs into two sets so two groups of six and the polarities are either positive or negative and masculine or feminine either either kind of um, set of terms can can apply but there is a sidebar (laughs) side note to this the terms themselves positive and negative, or even masculine or feminine, aren't necessarily referring to those words exactly. Um, the terms positive and negative, you know, they, they can kind of simplify um, the concepts of what we're talking about here that it doesn't always mean, though, it's not saying that the positive signs are positive and better than the negative signs. Um, and again, with masculine and feminine, this isn't necessarily referring to genders or sex. Um, it's not saying that the masculine signs are, you know, only for boys and the female, the feminine signs are only for females. Um, it's just ways of differentiating two energetic expressions. Um, they're referring to qualities or characteristics of the masculine and of the feminine. One, again, is not better than the other. One is not wrong or right. Um, The concepts of these polarities, they speak to the dualistic nature 
of the Zodiac and of the universe that we're a part of, really, here on Earth. This, I personally believe, anyways, you can believe what you want, but I personally believe that here on Earth, within this three-dimensional reality that we are a part of, I think we are a part of a dimension that is ruled by polarity, um, by this, these opposite forces always kind of teeter-tottering between each other and, and um, trying to find some sense of equilibrium. And it's where these opposing forces meet that our physical world comes into manifest form. So the division of the zodiac signs in pairs makes up the distinction of everything that we do. And this is why I believe that we live in a very dualistic realm. We have opposites all around us. Yes or no. Hot or cold. Happy or sad. Up or down. In or out. Give or take. Love or hate. What's most important to note, though, about all of these opposites is one cannot exist without the other. We can't know love without hate. We can't feel hot without knowing what cold feels like. They are codependent and complementary of each other. We can also think of the poles of the earth, the North Pole and the South Pole. Um, with the North Pole, especially if you consider the the kind of charges of poles, um, even like a battery, if you think of a battery, um, the North Pole, the plus sign would be the positive charge and the South Pole would be the negative charge. But again, it's not implying that one is better or worse than the other. We can also think of the, the symbol of the yin and yang, yin being the the feminine side, the the black portion of the yin and yang, it's, again, not necessarily saying that it's negative or bad. It's, it's the feminine side. It's the feminine expression. It's inward. It's drawing inward. It is feminine. It is expansive. Whereas yang being the masculine positive polarity would be more outward and directive and expressive and I think this is why the yin yang symbol so beautifully and perfectly depicts these polarities is because it is the perfect representation of this relationship of interdependence um, that each polarity has the duality that gives structure to our universe they are very obviously starkly different from one another, yet it's within the darkness of the yin that a little seed, a little blop of the yang exists, and vice versa. One of my favorite astrologers, Rick Levine, had said um, about the polarities, we can again think of these as electrical charges. So a negative charge is very relaxing and healthy for human minds. What's generated by an ocean or a waterfall when water moves against water. It's why being by water makes us feel so good because it generates negative ions. 
And so the reverse is true for a positive polarity. The positive ionization is agitating. It's like a dry air blowing in a desert. Um, These winds that are generating positive ions don't always feel so good. So again, just highlighting that, you know, the words can't necessarily be taken at face value. So now applying these to the zodiacal signs and starting from Aries. Again, mentioning that today is the astrological new year. It always starts at the beginning of Aries season because Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. And when you go around the zodiacal wheel, the polarities basically go opposites. So Aries would be a masculine sign. Taurus would be a feminine sign. Gemini is masculine. Cancer is feminine. So on and so forth. Um, And I think this also speaks to the natural buildup of energies that kind of traverse along the zodiacal wheel and 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 while they highlight the opposites they so very much complement each other so starting with the masculine or positive polarity broadly speaking the positive or masculine polarity is typified by action activeness uh, brightness outward expression, a sense of tenacity, of going after something. Um, It represents creation. It's an unstoppable force of determination, this raw, archetypal, masculine pride. This positive polarity is of the spirit. It is very upward and outward, outwardly expressive. The positive and masculine signs of the zodiac are all of the fire and air elements. So we'll get to that in just a bit, but keeping that in mind that the masculine signs are all fire and air. And fire and air, the elements themselves, are actually very complementary in the, in a way that um, you can't, you know, just thinking of the actual elements, you can't have a fire going without air. Oxygen needs to be present in order for that fire to breathe and ignite and sustain. And similarly for air, um, when it's in the presence of fire, it gets warm, it gets comfortable, whereas, you know, air most of the time could often be felt as cold or frigid. So they definitely complement each other in that regard. The positive masculine polarity is very much associated with the sun, the ruler of the day. The sun is the great creator that radiates life-giving energy and endless potential of expression. The sun itself exudes a life source. It is light. It is hopeful. So the the positive signs of the zodiac are, as I was mentioning earlier, are Aries, Gemini, Leo, Libra, Sagittarius, and Aquarius. And when looking at each of these signs, each contains this positive or masculine polarity which is 
evident in the way that each of these signs expresses its fundamental, fundamental, excuse me, core nature. And now we'll go into a little bit about each of these signs and how it is of the masculine positive polarity. Starting off with Aries, and with Aries being the, again, first sign of the zodiac, it is all about that initial spark of life. It's about taking immediate action. It's the essence of initiation. Aries very much kind of, and if you know an Aries, or you are an Aries, you can probably relate to this, that Aries very often kind of go headfirst into situations. They're definitely the type to do first and ask questions later. Um, it, it kind of rushes into any sort of action or activation. Aries is also, again, as I mentioned, the beginning of the spring here in the Northern Hemisphere, at least. And so this is very much a time where there's so much new life being birthed and there's a sense of motivation in the air. Everyone is kind of feeling very motivated and, and you know, heightened at this time. Aries is a very courageous sign. It is very headstrong and I think very much represents the, the masculine polarity as a whole. Next up is Gemini. And so Gemini is a sign that is all about making connections. It is always actively seeking to put two and two together. I always like to think of Gemini as those little connect the dots games that we used to play as kids where, um, you know, there's like just a bunch of dots all on the page. And if you go in order, they once you connect all of the lines, they end up making a picture. That to me is Gemini in a nutshell. <laughs> Gemini has a very flexible mind and it has this insatiable curiosity of life that always has Gemini natives asking questions. There is a very restless quality to Gemini that lends to their, excuse me, my cat, <laughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, there's a restless quality to Gemini that gives them this very flitty type of nature. <laughs> They're going all over the place back and forth. And this, I think, is also what lends to the not-so-favorable reputation of Gemini being seen as a little two-faced or unreliable or not the most trustworthy. But as a Gemini rising, I'm inclined to say that that's not necessarily true. <laughs> it's, it's the nature of Gemini. It's the nature of the twins. Gemini is represented by the symbol of the twins. And this is what Gemini does. It endlessly tries to gather information and connect ideas and connect to people and connect concepts, um, putting two and two together to create an alternative perspective that can actually enrich our lives for the better. Gemini very much seeks to learn for the sake of learning and acquiring new knowledge and new methods. And it's this 
insatiable curiosity that gives us the resilience to carry on and to see opposite sides of the coin when things are looking a little grim and dark. Next up is Leo. Leo is that radiant light that sustains life. It is that life-giving force of energy. It is the sign which can be considered the most generous and very much is more than willing to give from the heart. And this is why the lion, which is represented by Leo, the king of the jungle, is very much admired for its honesty and its loyalty and its willingness to lead from this heart-centered place. While Leos can sometimes be seen as a very proud sign um, and, you know, kind of craving the spotlight in a way, Leo more so stimulates and causes action um, and very much prefers to be a leader that oversees, you know, the rest of the kingdom at work and doing its thing, getting things done that need to be done. So while Leos can very much, again, appreciate being in the spotlight, it's not necessarily being in the spotlight for doing all the nitty gritty work, (laughs) but rather being like, you know, the the authority that watches over to make sure that things are getting done. Nothing lights a Leo up more than being the the stimulus of creation, the catalyst of creativity, and even more so, again, being recognized and honored for being in that role. Moving on, we are heading into Libra. Libra being represented by the two scales, um, which very much speaks to the Libra nature. Libra's key function is to adapt and to balance. It is the force of nature that brings everything together in a sense of cohesion through a means of understanding both opposites, both opposing forces. It's this ability of Libra to harmonize and stabilize that provides us with a solid foundation of support and understanding that encourages the rest of us to act justly. Libras have the ability to initiate this process of harmonizing very naturally and they have this very firm but gentle nature Um, and this confidence about them to be able to deal with disturbances of peace very openly, optimistically, and positively. Sagittarius is up next, and Sagittarius is all about expansion and exploration. Sagittarians are naturally very confident, very flexible, Um, very easygoing in nature, and very willing to say yes to almost every and any opportunity they are presented with. And they will proceed with a lot of energy and, and enthusiasm 
there is a willingness to Sagittarius that feeds their desire to quickly right every wrong that's present in their world. And they will do so by taking the path of least resistance. We can see the the essence of this eager action um, of Sagittarius by its archetypal signature, their symbol of the archer with their bow and arrow. And the arrow would be a symbol for this skillful focus that Sagittarius can display. Um, So long as they take a little bit of time to concentrate and contemplate on their target before firing off that arrow. And lastly, we have Aquarius. Now, Aquarius's main ambition is to replenish all of humanity. And we can see this again present in the the symbol of Aquarius being the water bearer. It wishes to cleanse humanity of all of its strifes by pouring fresh waters of wisdom down onto everybody. Aquarius naturally seeks to acquire understanding and strives to make sure that each and every individual, a part of the greater collective, is considered and understood and seen. Because Aquarius can naturally feel like the oddball out, like a little bit like the black sheep, it is very important for Aquarius um, to have everyone feel not so left out. This is very much a sign of innovation. Aquarius is not afraid to walk off the beaten path in the name of revolutionary change um, and a change that will benefit all of humanity. And nor is Aquarius the type to shy away from a debate. They love to debate (laughs) as they see this as their soul fighting to represent the truth, like the greater truth, not their subjective truth, but the objective big T truth. And they do this again in, in the name of the love of life, really. Aquarius strives to know the bigger picture and they can definitely be headstrong on the way there. So that wraps up the positive signs. Now moving on to the negative feminine signs. The nature of the negative or feminine polarity is very receptive, open, accepting, but it's also insatiable and very needful. It is the action of taking and receiving, whereas the positive masculine would be giving and penetrating. The feminine has a sense of reassurance that encourages the opposite polarity to give more. It is very reflective. It is contemplative. It is nurturing. It is needing, again. It is also very seductive and enticing. This insatiability 
of the feminine polarity leaves us feeling like there is always room for more. Um, it is the space that is being taken up, that empty space that we can fill in. Um, it is absorbing. It is experiencing. This polarity is of the soul. So as I mentioned earlier, the masculine positive polarity is of the spirit. The negative feminine is of the soul. It is very downward and inward and contemplative. And the, the feminine negative polarity is made up of the water and earth signs. So to reiterate, the masculine polarity is fire and air. The feminine polarity is water and earth elements. And just like fire and air are complementary, water and earth are also very complementary and need each other. The water enriches earth. Without the presence of water, no life could grow. No plants could grow. Those Things that grow, that feed us and nurture us and sustain us could not live and survive without water. And similarly, water is so vast and free-flowing. And while it's not necessarily bad to be uncontained, water definitely does need some sort of boundaries (laughs) and containment and it is the earth itself that gives water this container to be held within the feminine polarity is represented by the moon that beautiful glowing planetary body that shines bright in the dark of the night sky by reflecting the light of the sun that's another function of the feminine is reflecting So the negative feminine signs include Taurus, Cancer, Virgo, Scorpio, Capricorn, and Pisces. And now starting off with Taurus. Taurus's essential nature is super sensual. Taurus can actually be considered the most sensual of all of the signs. It's of the senses, of the five senses, not necessarily referring to like sensuality as in sexuality, but of the five senses. Taurus is that fertile, well-nurtured ground from which life-sustaining nature is birthed and nurtured. Being a Venus-ruled sign, Taurus is the epitome of rich, abundant beauty of the material world. At its very best, Taurus loves nothing more than to give nurturance and give gifts and even receiving gifts. In its shadow side, this sign acquires for the sheer sake of acquiring. It can be a little too concerned with the material, physical matter of this world. 
there's a strong inclination for Taurians to always feel a sense of security and stability. And this concern can be rather dominating and often, again, sought and fulfilled through the acquiring of material possessions. But at its best, Taurus knows how to make everyone and anyone around them feel well cared for and nurtured and secure. Next up is Cancer. Cancer is ruled by the moon, and it's this planetary rulership that lends to Cancerian natives to be very empathetic, very understanding, and extremely emotionally deep. Being a water sign, this further exaggerates Cancer's ability to mirror the emotions of those around them. Being represented of the crab, like a crab, Cancers have a hard, impenetrable outer shell, and it's really hard to get past that shell. Cancers don't often open up very easily and will only do so when they feel it is 101% safe and secure for them to do so. Cancers can easily go from being very loving and caring and nurturing to overprotective and very defensive, almost aggressive in their defense. You can think of a mother, a very fierce mother that's protecting her children. Cancers are quite literally the embodiment of the mother archetype. And even with this said, they can often fall into states of excessive worry and overprotectiveness of those they love and themselves. Next up is Virgo. Virgo season is the season of harvest. All the conditions have to be just perfect in order for those seeds of what we planted in the spring to ripen to full maturity in order for us to reap their benefits. There is an essence of purity that's inherent to Virgo and it's this quality that lends to Virgo's nature and Virgo's natural ability to connect to the world of caretaking and the world of medicine. Virgos are always striving for perfection, and it's this conscientiousness that allows Virgos to uphold a standard of cleanliness and accuracy that's needed in the healthcare field. The feminine nature of Virgo can even be seen in the signs, um, symbolic representation of Virgo, the virgin, holding a sheath of wheat. Okay, moving on to Scorpio. Scorpio is best known for its ability to transform. That's what this sign is all about. It is a sign of depth, of passion, and of desire. Because it's a Mars-ruled sign, there is still very much an essence of clear and definitive purpose. But unlike Aries, the other Mars-ruled sign, 
Scorpio's actions are very fixed and take a more directed path with very clear intention. And it's this intensity that makes it damn near impossible to deny a Scorpio of what it desires. Scorpio's other planetary ruler, Pluto, speaks to Scorpio's relation to themes of death and transformation. And just a side note, when I say death, relating to anything of the zodiac, really, but very much in particular to Scorpio, um, it doesn't always necessarily refer to actual literal death. It can be a figurative death, um, the process of the death of something not physically manifested in our lives or a part of us or um, the ending of a chapter. It's that death and rebirth cycle that is inherent to transformation. Next up is Capricorn. Now Capricorn is represented by the symbol of the goat. But what not a lot of people often remember is that it's not just a goat, but it's actually a sea goat. So the top half of Capricorn is the goat, and the bottom half is the tail of a dolphin. So the top half of Capricorn is the goat, which can be kind of seen as like the CEO of a company that's set on taking on dominating everything and everyone and kind of just running shit. (laughs) Whereas the fish's tail speaks to Cap's intuitive and reflective nature. And it's this contrast in of itself that makes Capricorn a very profound sign. There is a very dynamic quality to Capricorn that can often lead these natives to fall into a very depressive state at times um, because they're always tirelessly striving to achieve, (laughs) achieve goals, achieve um, states of practicality and sustainability. But if there is hard work that's put in, Capricorns can be an unwavering source of security, reliability, and support. And last but certainly not least, we have Pisces, the last of the zodiac. Pisces is a sign that, to me, perfectly embodies mutability and changeability. It is a sign whose natives are highly intuitive compassionate, receptive, and sensitive. Their empathetic nature is limitless, and Pisces are often the first one to lend a helping hand wherever it's needed. The ethereal nature of Pisces correlates to this sign's um, sense of spirituality, mysticism, healing, arts, um, creative expression, The wisdom of Pisces is its natural recognition of connectedness of this world, of recognizing that everything in this world is connected and a part of a greater whole. Everything from 
nature to science is a relative part of this grander collective. And it's this understanding that allows Pisces to be very unattached to the material world and striving to always live almost in another realm, (laughs) but really trying to live in union with the universe. All right, so that wraps up the polarities. I'm going to try to get a move on. (laughs) I already see this episode being a little long. So diving right into the next section, the elements. And this is where I think the juiciest part comes in. One of the first and fundamental steps, I think, of understanding both the planets and the signs is getting to know the four elements. One of the great masters of astrology of the 20th century, CEO Carter, wrote in his work, An Encyclopedia of Psychological Astrology, the elements are the root principles of astrology. So the four elements are fire, earth, air, and water. And even though there are hundreds, more than a hundred elements in the periodic table, across many ancient cultures, there can be found a focus on primarily four, sometimes five, main key elements that are said to explain entirely physical manifestation. In Western astrology, there are four elements, as I said, fire, earth, air, and water. In Eastern Vedic astrology, as well as in Ayurveda, which is the Indian practice of holistic health, which it literally translates into the knowledge of life, they add a fifth element to this list, which is ether, which is said to be the source from where all the four other elements come from. In Chinese astrology, they also use five elements, but they are a little different. They use air, earth, fire, metal, and wood. So the four elements, um, while they're also known as the elements, can also be known as the triplicities. Since there are four elements that each contain three zodiac signs. So four times three equals 12. The elements make up a set of classifications for the signs that categorize them to group them by their core personality traits and tendencies. The four main elements represent key archetypal constructs that exist cohesively yet separately from each other all at the same time. Everything physically manifested that we know of in this world, each stem from one of these elements, and everything also containing a varying degree of each element within it. Greek doctrine listed fire as morals, earth as physical, air as intellect, and water as aesthetic or soul. Different cultures had different ways of looking at the elements. And these elements were thought to be the singular basic building blocks of reality. The Myers-Briggs types were actually based upon Carl Jung's concepts of these types, 
where he classifies them as either being introverted or extroverted. And then getting more more granular, the fire slash earth axis would be intuition or sensation. The air slash water axis would be thinking or feeling. And then the last spectrum that was added by Briggs was judging or perceiving. The elements, when looking at them um, on the zodiacal wheel, create triangles, which is the aspect of a trine, which is known to be a very harmonious, supportive aspect. And it's how each of the elements fit together. The trine is very supportive. It's understanding. And, and this is why whenever we do see a trine, it's because they are linking together signs of the same element. So there is already this basic understanding of where each kind of planet is coming from when they are trining each other. And if you're like, Becky, what the heck is a trine? I'm sorry. <laughs> I will totally make an episode very soon about the aspects, but that's all I'll say about that for now. But yeah, once we have a basic understanding of the elements and what signs fall under each element, we can better recognize and understand the nature of the individual whose chart we're looking at or even ourselves. While not all signs of the same element express themselves in the same way, there is still very much a core fundamental disposition to the elements that allows us to interpret and accept each element's functions tendencies and desires so starting off with fire fire is intuition and action the element of fire is spontaneous erratic it's instinctive it's automatic very free-spirited it's seductive it's magnetic it's very animated and lively. Fire can be ignited in an instant and then it can spread uncontrollably and it consumes everything it's in its path. So just as if we were to leave a fire unattended, it can very easily burn out of control. There's often a larger than life feel to the fire signs. You know when you're in the presence of someone who is born under a fire sign or has a very strong fire signature in their chart. And again, I should probably list the three fire signs include Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. With the fire signs, there is this sexual allure to them and just as the bright side of a fire can be extremely captivating and hypnotizing, so too do these signs possess this ability to entrance. Fire signs are very charming and tempting, uh, possessing a very certain magnetism that you cannot help but be drawn to. But just like a fire, it can sometimes be a little too much and if you get too close and you're not careful, you may likely get burned. Fire is highly instinctive and very creative. 
fire signs have a unique way of doing things and are endearingly courageous and very full of life. Fire signs are often self-sufficient and feel that they can sustain themselves without needing to rely on anyone else. But sometimes, in this instance, they can very likely get themselves burned if this belief of being able to do it all on their own stretches too far to a point of of blind ignorance. So, just again, kind of going through each of the signs and highlighting some of their fiery qualities, Aries, again, kicks off the season of spring. It is that initial spark of life that gets the fire going. Aries is like the kindling that starts the fire. Aries are not afraid to make the first move and definitely not afraid to go after what they desire. They are Mars ruled. So they have this warrior fighter quality to them. And it's because of this that Aries are often known for being incredible initiators. With that being said, though, while they are fantastic at getting the ball rolling, they are not always the greatest at finishing what they've started. Leo, next up, is the the fire that sustains. If Aries is the kindling, Leo is that persistent burning bright flame that warms and lights up its surroundings like a campfire it calls everybody in to gather around it to awe in its beauty and join together in some sort of classic cheesy campfire song or some sort of creative expression it is triumphant action and like a roaring fire lures everyone in by its captivating light. Fire has the ability to build up and break down. And Leo does this by either inspiring or intimidating others into action. Unlike Aries, Leo can find it a bit more difficult to get things started to get the ball rolling. But once they are started, they will most certainly finish what they've undertaken. And lastly, Sagittarius, the last of the fire signs. Sagittarius is that scene we see in the fire pit once the fire has burned out. It's like the embers, those hot coals that are left there that are still kind of burning and it can be reignited if we fan them out a bit. Out of all the three fire signs, Sagittarius is the most flexible and adaptable. But that does not detract from Sagittarius's sense of spicy and fiery courage. Like the archer, Sagittarius natives heavily rely on their sense of instincts to guide their bow and arrow. And it's this visual of the archer that can help really highlight just how intuitive and free-spirited this fire sign can be. Sagittarius babies are often enthralled with world travel and seeking adventure at every turn. Sagittarius is changeable, mutable fire, and, 
And it's the type of fire that isn't always there, but can very much still be felt. So that wraps up fire. Moving on to earth. If fire is intuition and action, earth is sensation. The earth element represents the material physical world. It is the tangible, the manifested. It is nature herself. It is the raw material resources that we rely upon to keep us sustained. Earth signs are very resourceful, practical, dependable, and very sensual. And again, when I say sensual, I'm referring to the five senses of sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell. The element of earth is also linked to material possessions and those things that we find value in. This is why the earth element is representative of all business affairs and most business affairs, I should say. And this is why the earth signs are very much considered to be adept at manipulating business systems and financial resources. Unlike fire natives, earth signs are not really big on taking risks. They'd much rather prefer very thought out, well-calculated actions and betting their resources on sure things rather than crapshoots. Earth signs will often err on the side of caution and can be rather conservative in their approach to going after what they desire. Like the elements suggests, earth signs focus heavily on creating comfortable, sustainable environments. And they do this through a means of acquiring possessions that are very pleasing to their senses. And they work on securing stable jobs that will help them to sustain reliable sources of income. Again, being of the senses, earth signs are very focused on what they can touch, what they can sense. The tangible world around us is what they're all about. The risk that comes with this desire, though, naturally, is an increased sense of materialism and becoming a little too greedy around the resources that they possess. But you can always count on an earth sign. They are the most dependable of the zodiac, and it's because they have such a strong sense of duty and responsibility to themselves and especially to those in their lives. Earth signs can sometimes run the risk of being a little insensitive to the emotional needs of those around them. <laughs> and this is from being a little caught up in their objective goals. To these signs, it's more so about the destination than it is the journey. And so the earth signs include Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. I probably should have said that earlier, but let's get into them. <laughs> Taurus is probably the most earthy of all the earth signs. This is the sign of stability. 
it has no problem to stop and take stock and centralize their resources so that they can create something that is sustainable and that is lasting and that is beautiful. Taurus doesn't really care for the fluff and often just wants the necessary need to know fundamentals, the need to know information. As I mentioned before, Taurus can be considered the most sensual of the signs. All a Taurus really wants is good sights, good sounds, good taste, good good feels, good feels all around. Take care of that and a Taurus will be as happy as can be. Like the bull, if you think about the image of a bull, you can just imagine what makes a bull very happy. All, all it really wants to do is sit and graze in the field. But also like a bull, there is no arguing with a Taurus. You cannot change a Taurus's mind. The only way that you can is if you do, and I'm not condoning this, but I'm just saying, the only way that you can kind of coax a Taurus into changing their mind is by doing it so in a way that they think this was their idea. (laughs) You cannot force a bull to go anywhere it doesn't want. Their stubbornness will prevent them from doing this. It will prevent them from doing what others want them to do. But once it does change its mind, once they do get going, it's best to get out of the bull's way. Next up is sweet Virgo. Virgo is all about results. Being a mercury-ruled sign, there is a mental aspect to this earth sign that keeps Virgos in a constant state of analyzing. And they do this in order to form conclusions. Virgo is extremely integrous and discerning and Virgos have a very strong keen sense of what is right and what is wrong. They are adept at making decisions and using their discriminating rationale to form conclusions. They are very work-oriented and they take a lot of joy and pride in what they do and the deeds that they perform. Virgos are at their happiest when striving towards perfection. And it's because of this that their standards, standards of themselves and of others, are very high. (laughs) One of the greatest gifts that you can give a Virgo, though, is allowing them to feel like they're being put to work, that they're of use, that you're allowing them an opportunity to flaunt their skills Virgos can come off a little cold and detached, but that may not necessarily be the case. Virgos can often be very sensual. Again, they're an earth sign. So this is, if you do feel like a Virgo is a little off-putting, it's probably just because their laser-pointed focus is not pointed at you. Last of the earth signs is Capricorn. Capricorn is one of the most sure-footed and stable signs of the zodiac. 
It is highly calculated, and like the goat, it will never begin to scale a mountain that it knows it cannot reach the peak of. It will not take on a project, a journey, any sort of feat, knowing that it won't be able to complete it. Because whatever it does take on, you'd be damn sure that Capricorns are finishing what they started. It's not going to waste time taking on tasks that it knows it can't accomplish. Because if Capricorns do fall, if they fall off the mountainside, it's a very sad visual, but if they do fall, they fall really hard. And they freaking hate it. Capricorns are a very driven bunch, and they desire to master the external world around them. These natives take life very seriously, and they refuse to rest or compromise in their journey of establishing practical stability. Capricorn is a sign that's ruled by the planet Saturn. And Saturn can be related to the bones, structure, foundation, the bones of a human body, the foundation of a house. It is that structure that holds everything together. They will not bend at our will. Like Virgo, Capricorn is very results-oriented. Unlike Virgo, though, who will usually do it themselves because they just know that they can do it better, (laughs) Capricorns will often encourage those around them to strive towards their very best. They will be encouraging in that regard. And this is partially because they just can't wrap their heads around those who are unmotivated or not ambitious. So it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, but they mean well. All right, moving on to the air signs. Air is thinking and intellectualizing. Air is of the mind. It is about theories, concepts, ideas, communication, languages. It is everything that is less than physical. We can feel it. We can very much feel the air, but we can't see it. They are the thoughts that do not have manifested substance in our physical reality. Like our thoughts and our anxieties, air does not have any tangible substance or form. It is abstract. It is boundaryless. It cannot be contained. It very much stands on its own. It is representative of our mental processes. It describes our ideas and the words that we choose to express those ideas. It is the stories that we tell. Air is also the process of understanding and learning. And often so, it's also of forgiving and relating and forming connections. Air, being very mental, can often lead to neuroses that plague us, such as anxiety. Like the wind, air signs can be energetic, they can be playful, extremely curious, but they can also be a little unruly and reckless and sporadic, even violent. 
air is the idea of movement and exchange. And the signs of this element are all about just this, the intangible exchange of concepts and the process, again, of relating and connecting. This is also why the air signs symbols all contain some sort of duality. It is the adventure of movement from one polarity to the other. So the air signs include Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius. Gemini, starting off, is the symbol of the twins. This is a Mercury-ruled sign and is considered to be the trickster of the zodiac. Gemini is insatiably curious and spontaneous. Gemini's main goal, as I mentioned earlier, is to connect the dots. The twins represent the duality of nature itself, and Gemini is very good at reminding us of this. An incredible astrologer, Michael Bryan, um, had said, uh, and I love this about Gemini, it is the only sign that can hold space for contradiction and not break down. They know that there are always two sides to every coin and are very accepting of this. Gemini natives are often stuck in this duality, wanting both at once (laughs) or changing their minds at the drop of a hat. And again, this can lead one to believe that Geminis cannot be trusted, but this isn't necessarily the case. Geminis are just extremely mentally quick. Their minds are always on the go and always seeking new information. And with all of this information that they're always constantly gathering, this can lead their opinions to change rather quickly. They go through life seeking to make connections for the sake of making connections. It's just that Gemini can often forget that not every single connection actually matters. Next up is Libra. Whereas Gemini is concerned with the mental connections of information and concepts and ideas, Libra is more so concerned with the mental processes that create connections between people. Whereas, again, Gemini is about creating connections between anything and everything, there's a deeper goal to the connections that Libras are striving for. Libra is actually the Latin word for scale. So they are literally striving to create a sense of balance at all times. And we can see this in Libra's symbol. They are seeking harmony between opposing forces. This applies to Libra natives themselves, always trying to seek some sort of internal balance, just as much as it applies to creating balance for those around them and the situations that they're a part of, the environments that they're a part of. Libra represents the mental interchange that occurs between two opposites in order to achieve some sort of harmony. Libras are strategists. They are extremely contemplative and they're always considering every single side available to them. Libras can be seen as indecisive at times and like they're unable to make up their minds. But that's not always the case. 
Libras can make up their minds. It's just that they can easily come to two separate conclusions and be okay with both of them because they can see where either side is coming from. They can see the good and the bad in every kind of situation or option that's presented to them. They are the definition of ambivalence. Libras often get the reputation of being very artistic, um, very aesthetically inclined. They possess a great sense of things that are very appealing to the eye. And they use this skill to bring this element into their environment, to bring their environment into some sense of balance and harmony. And it's this skill that often lends uh, Libra's ability to make fantastic artists or decorators or even architects. And they are fantastic hosts. And last of the air signs is Aquarius. Aquarius natives' main goal is to take individual concepts and thoughts and make them universal. It is the sign of social interaction. It is very much about groups and the interaction that goes on between groups of people. Aquarians naturally love being in social settings and exchanging information within these settings. Where Gemini would be the movement between two thoughts and Libra would be finding the balance between these two thoughts, Aquarius tries to take these two thoughts and integrate them into one centralized universal concept. Aquarian energy is the essence of association. They truly feel that every interest should be honored, accepted, and included. This is a sign that is very much for the people. However, when it comes to one-on-one interactions, this is where Aquarius can get a little detached and be gone like the wind. Aquarians love humanity, but they are not so fond of humans themselves. Aquarians can very much be considered the black sheep of the group, as I mentioned earlier. And it's because of their out-of-the-box ideas, but It's these out-of-the-box ideas that actually make Aquarians very brilliant and innovative and unique. The phrase of Aquarius is, I know. (laughs) I know. You can't tell an Aquarius something that they don't already know. Even if they didn't actually know it, they're still going to say, oh, I know. Because in their opinion, there is very little that you can teach an Aquarius that they have not already learned for themselves. And again, while this isn't always necessarily true, it's just best to let them think this. But what is true is that Aquarius is one of the most genius and intellectual signs of the zodiac. It takes the dual free-forming nature of air and integrates it into one key single concept. And the last of the elements is water. Water is feeling. Water is emotion. It is tangible and sensible. Unlike air, 
you can see it and you can feel it. Water is emotion. It is somatic understanding. Like fire, water also relies on their gut feelings to guide them. But whereas fire could be considered a little bit more of instinct, like a natural or innate impulse, water would be intuition, which would be like a direct perception of truth. Water signs are extremely empathetic and emotionally driven and emotionally led. They are feeling oriented. They possess an ability to intuitively understand. Water is of the soul. It is about union, soul connection, soul integration. And yeah, this word union is very much water. And if you think about it, every single body of water on this planet is trying to make its way back to the sea if it can. It's about coming back to that one integral source and recognizing the connectedness of everything. Water is very memory-oriented and heavily relies on memory and past experience. Water itself can actually contain memory and perceive emotions and feelings. If you've never checked out Masaru Emoto's water experiment, I highly recommend you go on YouTube and search that up as soon as you're done listening to this podcast um, because it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating um, to see how water can perceive emotions and feelings and hold on to memory. It's brilliant. And so this is why, again, water is very associated with memory and those past experiences, childhood memories and experiences that occurred before we had the words to articulate them. There is an element of embodiment with water. While water is very free-flowing, it also can take the shape of any container it's put in. And while water can take on many forms... It can be still like a pond uh, or replenishing like a very fresh running river or vast and endless like the ocean or forceful like a relentless waterfall. It's still very much of the same essence. And just as much that water can revitalize and replenish, it can also destroy and clear out. Neither is inherently good or bad. It's just nature. As water rules our emotions, it is a very potent and powerful force that has the ability to cause a buildup of emotions, um, which is very signature to water signs as um, water signs or people that have a lot of water signature in their chart um, can often fall easily into bouts of emotional heaviness like depression or anxiety or resentment or what have you. Water signs can often feel very overwhelmed by their emotions. Um, so to remediate this, um, it's, it's very helpful for water signs to rely on regular sessions of healing modalities, energetic healing modalities to help remediate this. 
Water signs can also be considered very spiritual, highly spiritual, because of how empathetic and resonant they are with their surroundings. Water signs naturally understand the interconnectedness of this world and its inhabitants. So the water signs include Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. Starting off with Cancer. Cancer is related to the movement of the ever-changing seashores. This is where crabs live. They reside in the intertidal zones where there is a lot of nutrients available to them, but it's also a very tumultuous place to live because the tides are changing twice a day, every single day. They are constantly ebbing and flowing, coming and going. Therefore, cancers need to constantly rely on their instincts and have really fine-tuned instincts in order to anticipate the changing of the tides and prepare for them. And it's because of this that cancer natives can be considered a little brash at times (laughs) and can be a little overly anxious. Cancers can go from super loving and nurturing to very defensive and aggressive in an instant. Cancerian people, again, they kind of live in a constant state of anticipation of change. This is what can lend uh, cancer people to be not the most trustworthy. Yet there is such a deep-rooted part of them that does not want change at all. You can think of the crab with their massive pincers, their claws that are just trying to hold on tightly to what it is that they love, not wanting to let go. Like the crab who also walks side to side instead of moving forward and backward, cancer natives can also be seen as approaching things from the side. They can be a little apprehensive in their approach and very quickly retreat back into their shell at the slightest indication of coming into harm's way. Cancers have a very tough outer shell, but if you provide them a safe enough space um, for them to come out of their shell and feel like it's safe enough to retreat out of their shell, you'll receive some of the deepest love and caring and nurturance that you could ever imagine. Scorpios. Scorpios are probably, no, no, they are (laughs) the most intense of water signs. If cancer is the seashore, then Scorpio would be like a brash rushing river that's breaking through a dam or like a fire hose of just a massive amount of water being forced upon you. Scorpio natives are very strong and powerful and there is an extreme range to the depths of their emotional fluctuation. They're like an unrelenting waterfall that is constantly impressing its flow upon the rocks that are beneath them. And it's this constant um, water pressure upon the rocks that will eventually cause the rock such a solid form to eventually break down and change its shape. 
And this very much speaks to the intense power of Scorpio. It is this transformative, powerful quality of water, this steadfast and eventual evolution that it, while it does take time to manifest, this transformation is not any less significant. Scorpio can seem a little detached at times and a little too cool for school, but like a scorpion who prefers to live in solitude um, and they are nocturnal creatures, they only come out at night and they only come out to play in the darkness. They prefer kind of living in this dark, deep, mysterious, underworldly realm. They burrow and they hide to defend themselves from predators really quick. And if they do feel threatened and they cannot hide and retreat back, you better watch out for those quick little pincers that will snap at you in an instant. Scorpio natives have a tendency to fall into extreme emotional states, um, such as jealousy, possessiveness, anger. But It's innate passion underneath it all. This is also what causes Scorpio to have a reputation of being one of the most sexual signs of the Zodiac. They are an intense force to be reckoned with. And last but not least, Pisces. Pisces is symbolized by two fish swimming in opposite directions. But these two fish are bound together Um, at the end of their tails and what's holding them together is what's known as the golden thread being the last sign of the zodiac pisces represents two opposing forces of nature coming together and being joined in union if cancer is the the seaside the the tides the shores of the sea And if Scorpio is like that forceful waterfall, Pisces is the vast and endless ocean. It is all about the dissolution of boundaries and hard edges. Pisces natives feel so closely connected to the world around them that it's sometimes hard for them to tell where they end and you begin. Pisces is empathy embodied. They appreciate and care for everything, which is why these natives are often drawn to paths as healers, as teachers, artists, psychologists, and often are very spiritually inclined and follow spiritual pursuits and paths. Speaking of, Pisces is also often associated with religion. But it's not necessarily religion in the conventional way that we think of, but more so spirituality. This belief that we are a part of a whole. We are the individual drops of the same ocean and come from the same source. Pisces is all about the non-physical. And Pisces natives are often living in non-physical dimensions. (laughs) They're often stuck in fantasy worlds and prefer to daydream and stay with their imagination. Pisces can be so energetically sensitive that they can fall into bouts of escapism. This is why they prefer to stay in their imaginatory realm is because sometimes the harsh 
reality is too much for them to bear and to handle. Um, this is also why sometimes Pisces um, and, and people that have a lot of Pisces in their chart or they're born under the sun sign of Pisces do have to be a little mindful of substances like alcohol or drugs or anything else that takes you out of your normal sober state of thinking um, because it is this escapist tendency that Pisces kind of prefers. They don't necessarily like to be present with the harshness of reality. Pisces are the dreamers. They are the visionaries of the zodiac and they very much use their feelings and their intuition to guide their way through life. So that wraps up the elements And now last, but very certainly not least, we need to get into the modalities because this is kind of the third part of the puzzle that really ties these um, methods of categorization all together. So the modalities represent the essential functions and operations that further the way that we can categorize each of the zodiac signs and the elements The modalities include cardinal, fixed, and mutable. The modalities can also be called the qualities or the quadruplicities. Quadruplicities because they take four zodiac signs each and break them up into three categories. So again, four times three equals 12. The qualities can be thought of as, again, operating systems or types of energies under which each of the zodiac signs and elements are classified. If the element is what they're made of, then the modality would be how it's expressed. Now, when we're looking at modalities on the astrological chart, on the astrological wheel, modalities form squares. Squares are considered to be uh, a hard aspect, a tougher aspect, but they're not always necessarily difficult per se. They're just um, an aspect of creation, of creative stimulation, of change. So when we have squares, uh, considering the modalities as opposed to triangles when we're comparing the elements, there is tension Because the squares are linking up signs that are not of the same element. So there isn't that inherent understanding present like there is with the trines linking up the same elements. But the squares are connecting signs of the same modality. So there is still some sense of reception, of understanding how this buildup of tension and energy needs to be expressed and released. Like the elements and polarities, the quadruplicities, while they are inherently different, are also all interdependent and rely on one another. So starting off with cardinal, cardinal energy, the cardinal modality. Cardinal signs are the signs that begin the seasons. So the cardinal signs include Aries, which is the beginning of spring. And as a side note, before I continue, this is a good way to remember the modalities as relating them to the seasons. 
So the cardinal signs are the beginning of the seasons. Aries being the beginning of spring. Cancer being the beginning of summer. And again, in the northern hemisphere. Uh, Libra being the beginning of autumn. And Capricorn being the beginning of winter. These are the signs that are said to possess the initiatory quality. The essence that begins things and gets the ball rolling, gets the show on the road. These signs are the initiators. They are the leaders and the strategists. They are able to provide that initial inspiration, that initial spark for a new endeavor, and can often offer reassurance or encouragement that allows us to feel supported enough to take on something new. Cardinal energy is almost always uh, coming in the form of some physical manifestation. It is an energizing force that makes us feel like we can accomplish anything. This is why the beginning of new seasons, we can feel kind of like peak of motivation of ready it's like a readiness to start something new a word to the wise however we must be mindful of the source of motivation that we seek if the source of motivation is manipulation or fear or guilt or comparison or even blind obligation then we may want to take some extra precaution and second guess, kind of just do a quick reevaluation of why it is that we're taking on these new projects. In excess, cardinal energy can definitely overstimulate and agitate and overwhelm. Blind ambition can lead to insecurity and failure. So taking a moment to pause in consideration is always helpful when working with cardinal forces. But in its best, in its light, cardinal energy is again fantastic for initiatory experiences and starting new things, taking on new endeavors. And I'm not going to go through the signs because I think I've already done that enough. So you can kind of just go back and, and apply the cardinal energy to these signs of Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. And see how this initiatory energy is very much related to these zodiac signs. Moving on to fixed, the fixed modality. The fixed signs are the signs that are the middle of the seasons. They are the sustaining. They are when the the seasons are at their peak and at their prime, their most felt. So the fixed signs include Taurus, the middle of spring in the Northern Hemisphere, Leo, the middle of summer, Scorpio, the middle of autumn, and Aquarius, the middle of winter. Fixed energy is steady. It is constant, it is enduring, it is reliable, substantial, it is solid. It is very continuing and sustaining. With all of these signs, there is a deep-rooted firmness, a solid ground from which they stand. These signs know how to persevere. They are unchanging and unwavering in their pursuits, and each know how to solidly stand their ground in the face of a challenge. 
these signs provide a sense of structure, form, and a focus of energy that allows them and the world around them to function properly. Fixed sign natives usually feel a constant desire to solve all the problems <laughs> and they, they can often aspire to become the master of many things. Too much concentrated fixed energy can result in stubbornness, rigidity, and inflexibility. There is no wiggle room to deviate from the plan and can lead these natives to feed into a sense of self-righteousness. Being too fixed can cause stagnation and stasis. And this is where the other signs of different modalities can come in to try to help offer an alternative perspective and even take over the wheel when necessary. And on this note, this is how we can recognize that each of the modalities of fixed, cardinal, and mutable rely on each other. It speaks to this interdependent relationship between each three, that each three rely on each other and need each other. And we can't just stay in one or the other all the time. We definitely need to rely on these other forces and sources of energy in order to function cohesively and holistically. And now last but not least, mutable. The mutable signs are the ending of the seasons. And this is why mutable energy is very changeable. So the mutable signs include Gemini, the end of spring, Virgo, the end of summer, Sagittarius, the end of autumn, and Pisces, the end of winter. Mutable energy is, like I said, changeable. It is adaptable. It is fluctuating and unsettled. It is ever-shifting and it can be flighty. It is impulsive and irregular, very versatile and whimsical. It is often said that these signs are the most unstable of the zodiac, <laughs> which isn't necessarily a bad thing, though. I think this is the strength of these signs that allows these mutable natives to rely on their ability to be extremely resilient in the face of change. And really, that's the one constant in life, right? The only thing that we can actually rely on in this world is change. Mutability creates variety in life. Things change. Things are inevitably going to change. And the mutable signs can be an excellent example of how it is that we can adapt and react to change. Because it's exactly that, how we adapt and how we react to change that sets the tone of our experience and can be what makes or breaks us when we are faced with change. And don't get me wrong, change can still be extremely difficult to deal with, no doubt. And not all change is welcome or beneficial or is to be accepted blindly without some degree of inquiry or skepticism. But again, we can look to these signs to see how it is that we can best react to change when we are faced with it. Too much mutable energy can result in unpredictability, instability, flightiness, inconsistency, 
and unreliable tendencies. However, again, it's the beauty of the mutable fluctuation that lends to lightening up the energy of the cardinal and fixed signs. And together, all three work in harmony and in balance. And that's all she wrote, folks. (laughs) If you're still sticking with me, in for the long haul, thank you so very much. I hope you found this episode to be informative and helpful and enriching. And if you, again, kind of already had um, a grasp of the zodiac signs, I hope that this, this means of categorization helped to further deepen your understanding of the zodiac signs. And I think, again knowing about the polarities and the modalities and the elements, when you have a basic understanding of these, you don't even need to really know all of the nitty gritty of each of the zodiac signs. When you when you hear, oh, someone is a Cancer or someone's a Libra or an Aries, you automatically know, okay, this person has some sort of fire energy or water energy or air energy. And you can already interpret a little bit about them based on this information, this set of categorization. So this episode is already long enough. I'm not going to keep y'all any longer. Again, I appreciate you so, so much for tuning in and listening. If you're still listening all the way to the very end, you're a gem. Loves you, babes. All right. I am done. (laughs) I'm going to wrap this up and I will be back again soon with another episode. And again, if you already haven't done so, if you could please rate and subscribe. If you feel called to even leaving a written review, that would be dope. Thank you so much. And I will be back again, hopefully in another week or two with a new episode for you guys. If you have any questions, of course, you can always reach out to me on Instagram or email. All of those links will be in the show notes. Even if you just want to reach out to connect, that would be totally rad. Love that. So look forward to hearing from you if so. And if not, I will catch you guys soon. Bye, babes.